Hi guys, it's Laura. For this episode, we are putting trigger warnings for drug abuse and addiction, as well as racism and violence towards Asian bodies. So please take care of yourselves and enjoy the episode. I glanced at the demoness. She smiled at me. It was nice of her to think of me as a demon child, I guess. Hey look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. Today, I'm drinking room temperature water. I was going to have a cold sparkling water, a LaCroix, but I remembered that like vocalists need to drink warm temperature water so the vocal cords don't seize up or something like that. And I thought, well, the same principle probably applies here. So I'm drinking room temperature water. Oh, well, you know what? Also, uh, sparkling what? water and like carbonated or tonic water, I don't know the difference between all of them, but it also yeah. makes you shit yourself. Did you know? No, I didn't. It does. Yeah, no, like, if you if you drink <laughs> enough, like, your body will... I don't know why, but, like... How much is enough? I don't know, but Dak Shepard, on his podcast, what? Armchair Expert, he talks yeah. about... He's like, yeah, I got really into Spark, like, uh, San Pellegrinos and stuff like that. And then, <gasps> for a long time, he, like, he, like, shit himself for, like, th- three times in a row. He's like, what is going on? It was because oh he was God. drinking carbonated water. Well, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because I'm having, like, one of the daily, and I'm, like, still somewhat in control of my bowels. Somewhat, but... Mm. Somewhat, yeah. And I don't... I... Well, listen, what's the threshold here? And if that's your only source... Is that your only source? Yeah. I mean... I'm hesitant. Yeah, I'm no. hesitant. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's freaking fact, but it, if you yeah. do notice... Uh, if I just happen to notice... <laughs> uncontrollable bowel movements, uh, you yeah. have San Pal to thank for that. I've one. lost control of them. I'll be like, to San Pal, more like San Hell. San Hell, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> oh, my. Ah, Lord Play. Um... Hey. Hey. Welcome to hey. Reading Rainbow. It's your two very favorite co-hosts, Laura and... Laura. <laughs> uh, and this is a podcast where we read books that we had to read in high school or middle school or our schooling days, and we try and analyze why we think we had to read them. Yeah. By the way, I'm drinking coffee, which is also technically kind of a laxative. You know, I've definitely, yeah. it's definitely been times when I'm opening up the shop and I'm opening bar and I've had to like dial in espresso and, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, someone needs to watch the front. I gotta go, you know, do the biz. Otherwise I will walk around all day with, uh, mm-hmm. some business, some unresolved business, you know? You need your coffee house and your outhouse oh, very close mm, together. Yeah. No, sometimes I am like, mm-hmm. how can you have a coffee shop without a bathroom? Because oh, you're that's that's, just I think asking that's, for trouble. Well, I think that's workers abuse. For your, like, bar yeah. person? Like, what are they supposed to do? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, that is a very big worker's right, is access to a bathroom. Yeah. Do coffee shops not have bathrooms? I, I've been to some that they don't. I'm like... Well, maybe they just don't have public restrooms. I hope so. I'm just... I, maybe they have... The hopefully the they workers. have a hole in the ground for their employees. Yeah. <laughs> um, caffeine is also bad for the vocal cords, allegedly. Yeah. Anyway... So is milk. Anything, honestly... I, what is good for the vocal cords, I don't know. Besides room temperature water. Uh, pr- probably cayenne, pepper, and lemon or something. Good for your vocal I, cords or bad? I feel like lemon is probably good for your vocal cords. I They say like lemon honey water is good. Hmm. Hmm. I learned that in a TEFL course. This doesn't have to go to the podcast, mm. but... Oh, I remember when, when we used to say that all the time. What? We just like stopped saying that. Oh, this doesn't... Go on the podcast. That's because you know that I'm not going to include it because we're fucking boring. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. Exactly. Because we're freaking professionals. Yeah. Keep it. We keep it. Uh, except for that shitting part. That's definitely going in the podcast. I hope you know. That. Okay. <laughs> that's our opening bit. So. How bear? How? Yeah. I was like, do not take that. Out. Okay. Are you ready? Hear my words. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Um. So welcome to the month of May. Uh. And you know what that means? Yeah. It's freaking AAPI month. Woo! It's our yeah, month. It's no, our I'm month, just... baby. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else's month? Shove it up your ass. It's our month. It's ours. Yes. So shout out to all of our A and A and P and I friends and listeners. Is it A and A? Because I thought it was A A. No, it's not. It sure isn't. <laughs> I thought it was like Asian American and then Pacific Islander. Yeah. Well, I was trying to be quirky. All right. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um. In honor, well, actually, I don't know. I, I meant to ask you this, but 
Um, this month we read Dragon Wings by Lawrence Yep, and it is Yep, <laughs> Yep, <laughs> um, and it is about a Chinese family that immigrates to the U.S. Right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So I w- I meant to ask, did you do that intentionally, Laura? Because you chose this book because I'd never heard of it. Yeah. Um. I I did choose it, and it is about an Asian American story, but I don't remember if I chose it for this month. It does seem like something that I would do intentionally, but I just I just don't remember if I did. And I also really thought that Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month was April, so I kind of doubt. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's a happy you know. accident, you know. Yeah. Well, so but well, I'll take credit for it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, that was did. oh, that was. Totally me. That was definitely Oh, that me. that was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. We already talked about shitting, so we might as well just skip to the part where we talk about the book. Yeah, we've got that out of the way. Yeah. So, Laura, tell me a little bit about uh, this book. Um, yeah, so when I was in middle school, we had a couple of choice book units. And I know my mom, since I'm adopted, she said to my teacher that I wanted more like Chinese stories to read, which was true. So this teacher brought me this book, Dragon Wings by Lawrence Yep, once again. Um, and I did like it. I thought it was pretty fun. Um and I don't remember the details from when I was a middle schooler, but I enjoyed it. The other one she recommended was like Three Wild Swans, which I don't think is a middle grade book. That one's just, a, it's about three generations of women in China. Um, it's like Pachinko. Like year by year. Kind of like Pachinko, yeah. but Not that like, all Asian multi-generational books are the same, but that is what it makes No, yeah, it's about. along the same vein, but it was, I don't think it was fiction. It was kind of maybe like embellished, but it was allegedly a true, like a true story of these families. Dragon Wings is not. It's fiction. Yeah. Shit's fake. Shit's fake as fuck. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Maybe. But yeah, Um, it definitely was, it taught me a bit about Chinese culture, I will say. As we will get into, it taught me quite a bit. Yeah. And you said that you were in middle school, like, sixth grade, or do you not remember? Sixth or seventh grade. Not eighth grade. I can't tell you why, but I just know it was not eighth grade. (laughs) Well, that's interesting because, of course, I never read this book, but when I was Mm -hmm. listening to this book for this podcast... I, you know, had my ways of f- obtaining it so I don't actually have to use my eyes. So I was, so I found it on YouTube and it was like a teacher reading it for her sixth grade class. So mm-hmm. I guess it's all, I guess this is, you would read this in sixth grade, which we'll talk about later, but that kind of surprised me with the content. But now that I yeah. think about it, like, listen, you're in sixth grade. You gotta, like, you gotta learn these hard truths. Yeah. Um, so this book, it was written in 19, well, published in 1975, and then it was a runner-up for the Newbery Prize. It was also turned into a play, and this is actually book five out of a series of ten books, which is kind of baffling to me that this is the one, like, this is the one that everybody reads. Like, imagine putting all your time and effort into ten separate books in sequence, and then only, like... Having people read the fifth one. <laughs> Dude, okay, yeah, I also saw that and I was you know? a little confused because I was also like, oh, well, because I was reading yeah. it and I, and I was like, oh, this is book number five. Well, like, what's happening in the four books before it? Is it like multi generational? And then, like, what happens after? I was a little confused. Okay, so there's 10 books in the Dragon Wind series, but they weren't written in order. They, oh my god, like, this book was the first one written and he just wrote all of the other 10 books afterwards. Oh my gosh, it's but just But in chronological like the order, it's number five. That makes a little more sense. Yeah, that actually does. This is the does. first one he wrote. He just filled in the rest later. <laughs> Interesting. This is what we get for pretending to do research and then not actually doing it until we're on the podcast. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I'm looking at this like list of the books, and it has like the year it takes place in. For example, Dragon Wings takes place in 1903, and then it has 1975 written next to it. So I'm just looking at a bunch of numbers right now, all right? So give me a break. <laughs> but, okay, all this is to say um, the book itself is a pretty... Even though it's number five of a series, like, it's a pretty whole completed story yeah. as a standalone. Mm-hmm. I don't know what these other books contain. I don't know. I don't I'd, feel what? the need to find I, out. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm never going to know by choice. I'll choose not to yeah. know. Because yeah. it's freaking America. I can choose that. Oh, my gosh. Um, also, a little bit about Lawrence Yep. So, Lawrence Yep is a Chinese-American 
Uh, he was born in San Fran and he grew up working in a family grocery store. And he says that, uh, according to his Wikipedia page, he recalls learning early on, quote, how to observe and listen to people, how to relate to others. It was good training for a writer. I did want to bring that up because I think for both you and I, Laura, because we both had Kate Aspengren as a professor, um, yeah. that was one of the first things that Kate ever told us, told me mm. about writing, uh, because I had took a humor class with her, and she was like, yeah, just go outside and eavesdrop on people and listen to them and take inspiration from that as a writer. Yeah. And yeah, then, so you can't trust writers, always listening. <laughs> yeah, we're f- always wearing... We are the wire. When people are like, I'm wearing a wire, yeah. it's us. I'm, mm-hmm. And then also, he apparently was often made fun of uh, by other students who were bilingual because he only knew how to speak English. And I wanted to bring that oh. up because it is AAPI month, and I, I'm on a adoptee committee and for their social media. And one of the posts that we made this month was um, kind of recognizing all the many identities within the AAPI community. And a huge one is AAPI individuals who can't speak their mother language. So I just thought that was always, it's always important to know that uh, in addition to all, every other racial minority, like there's, it's very complex. Yeah. I just thought that was so beautiful. But I will now go ahead and read the Goodreads blurb so you can get a better idea of what Dragon Wings actually encapsulates. Moonshadow was eight when he sailed from China to join his father, Windrider, in America. Windrider lived in San Francisco's Chinatown and worked in a laundry. Moonshadow had never seen him, but he soon loved and respected this father, a man of genius, a man with a fabulous dream. And with Moonshadow's help, Windrider was willing to endure the mockery of the other Chinese, the poverty, and the longing for his wife and his own country to make his dream come true. Inspired by the account of a Chinese immigrant who made a flying machine in 1909, Lawrence Yep's historical novel beautifully portrays the rich traditions of the Chinese community as it made its way in a hostile new world. End blurb. Oh, wait, so is this somewhat based... Is this historical fiction? It's historical fiction. Okay, so this is like there actually was a Chinese immigrant in 1909? I'm like, sure there was a Chinese... A, a singular... <laughs> no, I mean, like, is this... There was a single Chinese like, immigrant. How, 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 how fiction is this? Obviously, like... Yeah, I, this is actually in the back of the book, too. Um, so, like, the family, like, the characters are fictional, but he does base it a lot on, like, you know, what was happening at the time, sure. such as, like, you know, the, the fire of San Francisco. Um, mm. Oh, but yeah. Wind Rider is based on a real person named Fung Jogwe. Oh. Uh, yeah. That's my approximate pronunciation. No, who is, like, a pioneer, uh, well, one of the first... Chinese aviators and aircraft designers. So he also created uh, like a flying aircraft. Um, yeah, around the same time as the Wright brothers. A few years after, it looks like. So yeah, he that was based on some some fact. But yeah, this family didn't really exist. Okay, well, so I didn't I didn't know that. Foolish of me. I'm a fool. But whatever, it's my month, so I'm allowed to know and not yeah. know whatever I want. It's true. If you had to put this in your own words, what would you say about the story? Well, if I, my words would be the following. Um, so Moonshadow is a boy. He's born in China, and he lives with his mom and his grandma. They also call China the Middle Kingdom a lot. And the year is 1903. His father works in California, and he sends money and letters home. Um, but he wants to pay for Moonshadow to cross the ocean and live with him in the United States so that Moonshadow has a chance to grow up with white people, also called demons, in kind of their pre-Chinatown, Chinatown community. So throughout this book, Moonshadow refers to white people as demons. Mm-hmm. But they they go into this that demons doesn't mean like, wow, we see demons. It's just kind of a word for like other creatures. Yeah. Which I, yeah, at first I was like, dang, savage. Savage, yeah. yep. Freaking do it. Call them demons. Man, but yep. then I was like, oh, everyone's a demon? Never mind. Um, so his father, called Wind Rider, uh, he believes himself to be the reincarnation of a great dragon. And so he believes that throughout his life, he's going to be faced with many tests that will allow him to prove himself worthy so that he can be reborn as a dragon. So that motivates a lot of his goals and ambitions. 
So Moonshadow, he starts to grow up in this laundry shop with his father and the community of other men. Um, but they face a lot of discrimination and targeted racial attacks. They are kind of afraid to leave their neighborhood. The community is also very impacted by opium and opium addiction. And because of a close family friend's addiction, there's kind of a violent altercation between Moonshadow's father and this other person. So they have a falling out and they decide to move out of their community and live um, outside of Chinatown. So they rent from a woman called Mrs. Whitlaw and Moonshadow and his father make great friends with them. But when an earthquake comes and eventually a really great fire... They move to another location where they dedicate all of their time to building a plane because Windrider's goal is to fly because then he could prove himself to be a dragon. Um, so eventually they run out of money, but all their friends come to help them out, including the Whitlaws and all of the people from their laundry company. And Moonshadow, he flies it once, but then he crashes and he survives. Mm -hmm. But he realizes that the true dragon was the family he made along the way. Which doesn't really friends. make any sense, but whatever. Nope. But you know, but you know really what? ties it up. It was it was a very uh, feel good ending. I'll give him that. Yeah, but I mean honestly, it, though the ending was cheesy, there's a lot of stuff in there that isn't so family friendly cheesy. Yeah, right. Like you Absolutely. talked about the altercation between like within the Chinese Im uh, immigrant community in San Francisco, and guess what? Mm -hmm. The altercations over drugs. It's opium. Yes. It's the opioid crisis. Even in the mm -hmm. 1900s. Yeah. Now, today, forever. Just kidding. Hope not forever, but you know. We can move on into unanswered questions. If you're yeah. ready. I'm ready. So kind of like what you said, or, or kind of what we both got at. It's a pretty contained story. I feel like it kind of ties up all the ends together. So I didn't have too many questions. Yeah. Um, I had ones that were just more about, like, the, the context of certain things. Yeah. Um, like, for example, so when, like, when white people are talking to Moonshadow and his father, like, you know, obviously being very, like, racist and disrespectful, a lot of the times they're saying, like, Yusabe to be like, oh, we yeah. get it, or yeah. stuff. And I just don't know what that means. I was like, what is Sabe? And I Googled, I Googled like, so many different things, like, what is Sabe, Sabe slang, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I was like, I really, and I really hope, sorry, I hope this is not, like, damnly racist for me to say on the podcast, but I just can't figure out what it means, like, what it is. Oh, yeah, that we're not, it's not just, like, an outdated but very harmful slur that we're just, like, yeah. I really, really hope not. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it makes, like, I mean, you know. like, it makes me think of, like, Kimosabe from, like, the Lone Ranger. But I could see it as um, Americans just, like, lumping Asians in with other, including yeah. the Native Americans. So they're just, like, instead of using Sabe specifically for, like, Native American people yeah. or indigenous people, they're just saying, like, hey, I'm othering you by just giving you this even if it, yeah. even if you don't even understand what it means because it's not related to your culture mm -hmm. or like your identity, yeah. your racial identity. Yeah, because I think wasabi is also. I mean, it's a conjugation of the word in Spanish, like to know. So I could see maybe there's some connections oh. there. Like, oh man, using that Spanish towards Latinx or, or Spanish speaking people too. Um, you know, so maybe they're just trying to you know cross racism like at all. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if we look up like wasabi. Yeah. 1900s because that's obviously when it was written uh no that didn't help i found saber wines <laughs> i know i found sabre uh sometimes spelt saber in american english is a type of backsword with a curved blade associated with the light cavalry uh oh yeah i get a bunch of images for forks and knives <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Alrighty, well see we tried we tried Anyways, so un that'll just be well, forever unknown. Unless someone wants to write us in. I have another question. Do you? No, I have literally oh, none. My question is, so Mrs. Whitlaw, her house is octagonal. Octagonal. Um, and in the earthquake, hers is the only house left standing. I just want to know if octagonal houses are actually more sound, more likely to survive an earthquake i mean if so don't you think we would have hacked that already and like built all our houses like that i don't know Wait, is that like does that really hold up <laughs> um <laughs> under scrutiny do you think um and i also googled this and i didn't didn't find much oh. let me look for uh, oh everything's all right from top to bottom papa always built well he said he wanted a house that could hold a herd of thundering elephants 
That's what he always called mama's folks. He never liked them. Oh, shit. <laughs> Bang! Savage! So savage, Todd! So, okay, okay. It doesn't allude to it exactly being octagonal, but it's also, I don't know, if... Why? Listen, why? <laughs> well, I remember, like, Moonshadow makes a comment, or I think it's Moonshadow, where when they're rebuilding the houses, he, like, talks to one of the white demons. He's like, why are you rebuilding it the same? If it's, like, if we could get oh. another earthquake, you should, like... Do you remember that? No, actually. <gasps> I don't. <gasps> oh, my God. Guys, I finally remember something that Laura doesn't. Someone's talking oh, to shit. a white demon, and they're rebuilding a house, and... I think it's the father who says it. I think it's Windrider says to Moonshadow, he's like, they're foolish for rebuilding the house the exact same way because if they have another earthquake, it's just going to do the same thing, so they should build it better. Yeah. Um. So maybe that implies that the octagonal shape is superior in uh, su- maybe. Su- uh, structural soundness. Yeah. I, mean, I ain't no and carpenter. standing an earthquake. I'll have to, I'll ask my carpenter friend. I have one. So. Yeah, do that. I know. Yeah, because I mean, and also, I mean, they have to abandon her house in the end, but that's because of a fire, not because of the earthquake. Okay, my turn now. <laughs> it's been my turn the last two questions. Literally done. My third turn. Yes. Um, what are Moonshadow's mom and grandma up to while he's not there? Like, they've, I assume they have like, because they have chores and stuff, right? Dude, I like, was also wondering the same thing. They're older people. Like, how are they Okay. Without their young, limber child to scurry around? I don't think so. I don't know. Plus, um, because Moonshadow and his dad, they're like, yeah, the dream is to bring your mom over. Um, And I'm like, well, that's cool. But what about your grandma? Like, so what about, Um, uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, Not Abuela. Obviously, that's Spanish. (laughs) Nainai? Nainai. Yeah. Yeah. What about (laughs) Nainai? Yeah. I also, uh, I think in Korean, it's Halmoni is a grandma. Ab- okay. I think it's uh, cause it's Aboji and Applebee's. <laughs> yes, <Sorry>. Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> yep, in uh, Korean, if you want to say Grandpa, it's Applebee's. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Koreans. Yeah, wow, that's fucking offensive, dude. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually don't know if that's right, but I'm pretty sure it's Halmoni Hal- is a uh, grandma. But I also don't remember, and I'm also not freaking Korean, so maybe I should shut up and stay in my lane. Can you imagine if it was Applebee's? <laughs> okay, well, okay. I've had that happen to me, though, because when I was learning Korean, uh, one of the phrases we learned was, you know, long time no see. Uh-huh. And it's, Oregonman uh, EAO. Okay. Which, but when I was learning it, I was just like, oh, okay, it's like Oregon Man. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like Oregon. Or like, Oh, okay. Or another one, um, to say right, it's orenjo. Oh. Actually, is that right? And I was like, orange. Orange. Okay, orange is, orange is right-hand yeah. side. I don't know. It's just mnemonic devices that I come up with to remember things because I just don't know how to speak a language. Just me things. Whatever. <laughs> just, that's just for me. Just bilingual things. That's uh, cute. No, that's no I'm not bilingual. I wish. That's good. Be fucking I awesome. learned over the weekend in Mandarin to say, like, Really? Like, as a question, it's, jinda ma? And then you would reply, like, jinda. Or jinda, jinda. Gender, gender. Yeah, and that's what I said. I was like, gender? Gender ma? And oh, j- he's like, no, gender ma. And I was like, it sounds like gender. It's like, gender identity, gender, gender, ma? Gender? Gender ma? And his gender. just responded, gender, gender, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Gen- yes on the gender. That's what I would say. Um... And I was wondering, I was like, well, so in English, you could be like, really, really, you know, and that's a question. Um, so in yeah. Mandarin, is it like, jenda, jenda ma? Or is it jenda ma, jenda ma? <laughs> because if you said, responded, yes, it would be like, jenda, jenda, like, really, really. Yeah. Yes. I think, I mean, I don't know. I have a guy for this, too, as well, oh, actually. I'll ask the him. Same, is it the, um, I'm assuming it has to be the same as the carpenter guy, right? Uh, no. no. <laughs> I have many guys, all right? So many guys. I'm guyful, okay? Wow. And you're guyful. one of them is a carpenter, and the other one is my brother, and he speaks Mandarin Chinese, so I'm just gonna ask him. But I feel like it would be Jendama, Jendama. Okay. That makes sense, because I, fe- I don't, I don't know. know. I don't actually, I don't think that makes sense, but I, that's just what I would say, because I feel like it rolls off yeah. the tongue versus like Jendama, Jendama. Listen, I am like a level uh. two of Mandarin on the Hello Chinese app, and that is a very low level for you who do not so know. So I'm basically an expert. It's a very low level. Um, 
actually, I don't know what my level is, but I learned it. I started last summer and I stopped last summer. <laughs> and look where we are now, okay? <laughs> I'm already on gender, okay? Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, um, well, that was my third question. And that was also my all the answers that I could want for that third question. <laughs> all, I, all I could ever want. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, yeah, like I said, I already knew everything in the whole wide world, so I had no questions. Okay. Um, do we want to move on to takeaways and judgments? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Awesome. <laughs> um. Okay. Right. And we're back. Yeah. Okay, I mentioned this earlier, so, like, it seems like this was meant for, like, middle schoolers. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a lot of The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie. Okay. Um, because it was told from a first-person, young person's perspective, and it uses a lot of the language of, like, when something is foreign to someone and they only know how to describe it within the context of mm. their own cultural references. So, like, he calls... Uh, uh, Moonshadow calls China Middle Kingdom, and he calls... San Francisco, the Golden Mountain, which I assume is based off of the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm -hmm. So I just thought in that way, I think it was similar to Sherman Alexie's writing. Um, but there was some stuff where I was just surprised that I was like, oh, I didn't realize kids were going to be, we're talking to sixth graders about this. Because like, for yeah. example, they talk about the o opioids and like the reason the dad gets kicked out of the community is because he freaking killed somebody yeah. and like slits his stomach or something like that. And I'm like, dang. Mm. Um, so I think the takeaways are supposed to be, um, kind of shedding light on how America influenced, like, Chinese immigration mm -hmm. and in, like, a lot of negative ways, because really, there's not, I mean, like, the heroes of the story are, uh, these Chinese, this Chinese family overcoming all these obstacles that are mostly put in by, like, white mm -hmm. demons, so I think that for me that was my takeaway. Sure, I think for me I would agree that it does it does teach a lot about like differences and the writing is very consistent. Um, I want to also bring attention he brings a lot of historical context to things because he refers to Chinese people as like the Tang people. Like he's like I that's what mm -hmm. people call us like Asian, but we're the Tang people. And he talks a lot about how they all wear their hair in cues, which as a kid, mm. I was like, Quoa? Um, it's Q-U-E-U-E. -U -E. <laughs> and that just refers to a hair braid. But for them, it's very historically significant. Like that is just something he knows. And that's something that's part of his world that he just assumes is like normal. And like a kid in America reading it would never, maybe never heard that before and have to would have to like look it up or like ask somebody what that means you know it is like very yeah. educational in that way oh yeah he himself just has to learn to navigate differences how like he notes that in the in a, the united states people view dragons as like evil creatures and as enemies and villains and stuff and he's like no 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 dragons are very honorable and they're very majestic and they like like they get well, worship and they're a symbol of life because they're a symbol of the rivers he has to discuss this with his the white friends that he makes and he he, he acknowledges that like he was like well i was kind of patronizing and i was like ready to really kind of like you know tear the tear into them or the shit talk to them but they they were understanding and they were willing to learn from me so like i think it teaches the reader about how when there's our differences, you can like carry irritation and, and like be patronizing and have an ego, or you can choose to just treat it as like a learning experience. Like yeah. that's a choice and something that or finding like, compromise in it. You're like, hey, you're yeah. not gonna fully understand, but at least you're being receptive, and I'll do mm -hmm. what I can. With yeah, what you like give me. just coming from like a the kind of nonprofit world, like in jobs with like service, that is actually a skill that they've said you need in public service is. It's a soft skill, but resolving differences or accepting differences is mm. is like something that you have to learn to do. You know, it's not like it's not it's something you have to prepare yourself for. It's not easy. And it's something we can teach kids. Yeah. Well, OK, so you bring up Mrs. Whitlaw and this was yes. one of my judgments and it's not necessarily a judgment. Like, I'm just being nitpicky. I still think this is a a good book. However, I will say like. Mrs. Whitlaw to me was like it it wasn't white saviorism because obviously she doesn't take over the mm -hmm. whole story like it's still like Moonshadow and Windrider are still very much the center but mm -hmm. 
it is like I feel like it kind of perpetuates the well to do like well meaning white woman. Yeah. Only because she like never actually makes a mistake. Yeah, she never she doesn't like perpetuate any harm, which mm-hmm. I think just doesn't uh, give an accurate reflection of what it means to be an ally to yeah a community because. I feel like something we learned this summer is like with the Black Lives Matter movement, allyship is not a simple thing to do, but it is something that we should strive for. But it's also very, very complex. Yeah. And also that we're going to make mistakes. Like it's just a reality of the situation. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like Miss Whitlaw, like she was always like really helpful and always there to help and problem solve. But she never did anything wrong herself. Therefore, she never had like she just wasn't really real. She never made any mistakes. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that there's a moment where Mrs. Whitlaw, she comes into contact and um, like hangs out with the other the other men in Moonshadow's laundry company. So like their community mm. and they become friends pretty quickly. And there is a moment of awkwardness, but like they eventually have a good time. And I think that is also a misconception about like mm. being an ally is that it's not it's going to be awkward and you're not going to it's not the point is not to make friends with like people of color or with black people. BIPOC. Mm. Like, you know, they're not tied together. Like you're not. You can be an ally and a bad friend, or you can be a good friend but a bad ally, you know? Yeah. It's just, yeah, similar to what you said. It's kind of feeding into that that well-meaning white woman trope. Yeah. Where if you just kind of have good intentions and mean well and bring your, like, hospitality, that it's, it's going to work out. <laughs> and it's going to make things better automatically. But guess what? It's not that simple. No, it's not. Unfortunately. And, and allyship... Can, it is very awkward. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, I think if you compare it to, I think there's a lot of intersectional um, power dynamics at play when Robin interacts with Moonshadow because one, gender, because Robin is a girl and Moonshadow is a boy. Um, or we, we can say Robin is female identifying and Moonshadow is male identifying. And then uh, two, race, because Robin is white. Um, Mm -hmm. And then three, just normal, like, kids being shitty to each other. And so she is just, like, kind of generally privileged. Um, So sometimes, like, when they're... Robin and Moonshadow go out to fly a kite built by Windrider. And Robin's like, oh, can I take it out first? And Moonshadow's kind of like, uh, no, it's my kite. Like, why do... Don't be greedy. But that's just, like... I'm not sure if, like, that's solely like just a kid being a kid and not having the awareness Mm -hmm. of like others or if it's you know of course race would probably play into that decision making subconsciously but yeah that is a good point to bring up that actually what i guess it never quite sat right with me the friendship between the whitlaws and the lees (coughs) because there is a power dynamic at play because mrs whitlaw is the landlady um oh yeah and like the the lees are boarding with her and they're not they're not boarding at her house they're boarding her stable which like listen like listen you gotta rent we gotta rent but Mm -hmm. that's that's weird right because they don't eat in her house when she cooks like yeah they're still like a a barrier (laughs) yeah so there is a barrier there yeah like when robin comes along you know like what's if moonshadow doesn't want to let her fly his kite like what is he gonna do his dad's like no this is well first of all it's polite but it's also like the white child of our landlady Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I do generally think it comes from, like, a fatherly standpoint. He's like, no, this is another child who, yeah. is, like, who is our guest. But, but I do think that there are other things that, I mean, yeah, like I think that's and still indirect things at play. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just can't separate that from the fact that they were their land people. <laughs> their landlady. Their land um, people. The la- <laughs> land <laughs> person. <laughs> um, their land lord. The landlady. And I don't know. You know what I mean? Like The landers. <laughs> the landers. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, what I, I I'm like I do understand what you mean. I do think it's funny that we're like, what's the gender neutral term for landlord? Um, the landerous, the lander. <laughs> I'm the landerer. <laughs> but anyway, power dynamic, uneven power dynamic is at play as well as race. Not just that. Um, that I think it is like always present in their like interactions, whether positive or negative. You know. Yeah, that was a my probably main critique. I was just like mm-hmm. make miss whitlaw real yeah in that she has flaws and that doesn't make her like a horrible character that just makes her an actual character there was a moment she had never seen jasmine t before 
and Moonshadow had to like tell her, no, this like these are flowers that you put in the water and you boil it. And he was like, she was like, flowers in your tea, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's tea, yeah, bitch. I fucking Do said it. it. Yeah, and I she's like putting out cream started. and sugar. He's like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> Ew, get that get that get shit out of here. He like waxes off the table, splatters he vomits it over in the her floor. cup, and is like, "What?" That's what that makes me feel like. <laughs> he's like, "That's not what you do here. This is jasmine tea." <laughs> hey, stop! This is a gift. <laughs> yeah, as Robin as a character, I could I kind of want a bit more. She was a little bit like plot devicey. Like she just seemed like a like a kid, <laughs> but yeah, you know. But she I because she lends. Moonshadow or her books and like her I don't know penny readers or whatever they are oh, I think yeah. and because he's been trying he's actively trying to learn how to read and write in both English and in like Mandarin and you know Hanyu and everything Hanza and I think it would have been nice to like maybe add an element of her like teaching him how to read or him like learning different phrases from that from those books but that's just my like that's my writer critique coming out sure I think that could have been a fun element to add in yeah, I think that as a judgment, I think it does well in teaching about racism, but really specific, like Asian racism. Mm. Um, I think a lot of books, you know, go into racism in broad strokes, how it's like, oh, it's about people who treat other people, some people differently than others. Yeah. Or it's about like hate, you know, obviously. Um, it's like, no, these are specific things that Asian people are targeted for. Like they can't leave their community. He mentions like finding like Asian men swinging, like hung from their hair cues. Um, And I don't know if that's historically accurate or not, but like that's a very specific, like symbolic targeting too. And all these just like systematic things, such as like having to list their names backwards than the way they're used to. And Moonshadow notices, he says, well, I'm eight or I'm nine, but according to the demons, I'm eight because in their culture, they count the year in the womb as your first year. Yeah. Um, when you're born, just, like, once you're expelled from the womb, you're automatically one year old. Yeah. So, like, they have to list their ages, you know, incorrectly, according to, like, the way they actually are. And, I mean, there is when the fire and the earthquake come through, they, like, are put into different refugee camps than all of the white people. And they are, like, told they might not get their land back. Yeah. Um, Like, that is very significant. Like, especially, like, what's going on right now. Like, land and location. Mm-hmm. Very significant things to groups of people, like... That's how you control and like move a culture around. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that was a plus. We like we do like yeah. it. Yes, I do. Yeah, I think it was a strong point of the book that it is just so specific into Chinese, you know, into a Chinese culture. And you can like get into the debates about like, oh, should it have been more Pan Asian or not? But it's like you know, it is what it is. It's a Chinese immigrant story, not not yeah. korean or Japanese, and the thing you know? is you know like or other asian this is why representation matters so we can have these very specific stories that are like chinese discrimination mm-hmm. specifically and then we can have there so much room for other stories that address like pan-asian yeah. discrimination mm-hmm. or another different situations or something you like this is why representation matters um i think this is oh i have a note here it's also helpful in this current day and age where we really do have these lines to draw between like you know the black lives matter movement and the aapi movement because they are different communities um they're not like one thing and they do have different goals because like the they are targeted in different ways in different places so just you know just adding to that like nuance view i think yeah um do we want to move on to ratings we do awesome Woo! Okay, I so we're rating out of ten. I yeah. think I'm gonna rate it as a six, maybe like a six point five. But for statistical purposes, we'll just do a a round, nice six. Yeah. Um, I think it was a good. It was entertaining. I'm not saying that I have already done the work and I never ever ever need any help. But I think I would have, as a kid, I would have loved to read this. Now. Yeah. I don't quote unquote, you know, like need it. Does that yeah. make sense? Like I'm not saying so I'm gonna rate it a six. No, I know what you mean. Like <laughs> um I would also go with six out of ten. And my reasoning is, I mean, I do really I enjoy it and obviously I liked it as a kid. Whatever actually looking back, what I really remember last John was a kid is the fact about kites. I just remember that the dad made kites and that was like super cool. And like the, in the beginning they talk about making a caterpillar kite. And I just imagined like the coolest thing ever in my brain. Like a three D caterpillar and that's probably not like, what it looks whoa. like. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just latched onto that and I don't really, I did not remember the rest of the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as a story, it is a not very like cohesive. Um, the pacing is a little off because mm, like entire yeah. one chapter will be like a few months, and then the last chapter is like, and then three years went by. Yeah, and I'm like, all or right. like in the middle, there's like a folk tale. Yeah, but like that took like that was a big old chunk of the book, which I yeah, it and it's just like a that, different pacing. Like yeah, and for me, that genre blending didn't work because he's talking about, like, you know, I've, this is a fantasy element. He's talking about a dream where he went into the court of the Dragon King and healed him and all these things. Um, and I really thought that was going to kind of come into more play later, like there's going to be more fantasy elements, but that's not really what the story was. They alluded to the test that he was going to have to face, and at the end, you know, he's like, when I was in the air, I felt like a dragon, but I realized when I was crashing that I would rather have my family here and now than be a dragon in the next life and all these things. So... It just didn't really pull together for me. Yeah. My last critique is like, what about the women? Because <laughs> oh, no, like that's you know, fair. yeah. I mean, honestly, like in Moonshadow setting, there is a good reason why there aren't other women in the company. Um, they mentioned that, uh, just because of all of the restrictions placed on Chinese immigrants, like they can only bring their wives over if they are a partner in their company, and then they still have to pay and everything. And even when they are in the community, the women have to stay inside. They're getting freaking because- snatched. Yes, because they are so afraid that they'll be kidnapped, which is and human trafficked and all these things, which is awful. Um, So out of necessity, I understand why there are not women out and about in Moonshadow's life. Um, And his mom and grandma are not there. So it's just it is very male centric and it does make sense in context. But you don't have to write it that way. (laughs) Where are the women? Where are the women? Where are the women? No um, women? Gender, gender? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And that's not even the right... I'm pretty sure that's not the right way to do it. Gender ma? Gender ma? Gender ma? <laughs> yeah, so 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. Alright, two 6 out of 10s. And with that, let's go into our book talk. Um, I have three books that I would recommend. Wow. And I'm not going to lie. They're all from the same Asian American literature class that I took. Oh, shit. But it was such a good class and it did give me like a lot of good books. Okay. So we're just going to go, we're going to go off. So the first one is America is in the Heart by Carlos Bolusan. I'm choosing this. This one is about a Filipino American and his journey uh, immigrating to uh, the U.S. <clears throat> and I think it's just like if what drew, if what you liked about Dragon Wings was the story about like a, an Asian family immigrating into the U.S. This one is a nonfiction version of that. It's really powerful. I know. I remember there was like a part where he talks about his younger sister who dies and she's like bleeds from every single orifice in her body, and you're like, God damn. So it's a little oh graphic. Oh my goodness. Fair warning. The second one I'm recommending which i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i've recommended all these before but um shortcomings by adrian tomine um yes. which is a graphic novel and i was just to... gonna i was just thinking she's gonna recommend shortcomings. yes i really like it um i'm recommending this one because earlier i talked about how characters can be flawed but they can still be they don't necessarily have to be bad uh shortcomings does a great job of that because all the characters are super flawed uh, do you like any of the characters? Like, uh, it kind of like, um, for me, it challenged my idea of like what it means to have a character be likable and what that does for the reader and how it furthers a plot or the message of a story. And then lastly, uh, if you liked the folksy elements, the folk tale elements of um, Dragon Wings, I would recommend Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace Lynn because that one... Definitely, you knew, you fucking knew I was gonna do it. I knew. I was like, I know she's gonna do that one too. <laughs> I know. I'm predictable as hell. But um, I really liked it. Uh, that's it. Those are my recommendations, Laura. What would okay. you recommend? I would recommend my first one would be Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. Yes. Uh, which I, f- I, feel, I do feel a little basic recommending that one because it's such a buzzwordy book right now. Yeah, but it's listen, it's that way for a reason, unlike many other <laughs> books bestsellers. Um, but this one anyway. actually is good. We have both it read is, it yeah. and it's amazing. Yes, it is really good. It's very, uh, I dare say, innovative. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's an interesting way to talk about Asian Americans and Asian American racism. I am also going to recommend the other book I read in middle school because I was a you know little Chinese child. Wild Swans, Three Daughters of China by Zheng 
Chang. That one is, I will say, pachinko-esque. <laughs> um, listen, I love a multi-generational story. And this is where it all started. Wild Swans, Three Daughters of China. Well, what are you currently reading then? I'm currently reading... Crooked Kingdom by Lee Bardugo because listen I talked up that TV show Shadow and Bone and I actually forgot that I did, hadn't finished oh my one of the book series so recent very recently I did finish the trilogy and I stand by what I said it's not good I am going to finish this duology imminently I do recommend the TV show it's enjoyable it's good casting I think very good set and like costume and everything like it's good quality it's not as funny as I wanted. <laughs> and that, it's just because my expectations were so high. Because Sister yeah. Pros and this book are funny. Yeah. This, this, I think I, maybe I mentioned this, but I think the script, this is a case where the actors are funny and the script is not. <laughs> where the good place is where the script is funny, but the actors are not funny. <laughs> oh man, hot take about the good place. I've heard yeah. only amazing things about it. Listen, there's just something a little off. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm also reading Gold Diggers by Sanjana Satyan. And by reading, I read the first page. Nice. And that means that means I'm in the middle of the book. Still counts. Um, yeah. And I'm also reading My Father's Wake. How the Irish Teach Us to Live, Love, and Die. Nice. By Kevin Toulis. What are you reading now? Well, a humble brag, and actually not even on purpose... I am currently reading three books, um, and they're all by Asian authors. So, what do you think about that? The first one I'm reading is Suicide... Well, I'm listening to Suicide Club by Rachel Hung, and she's Singaporean. It's a dystopian where society has learned how to cheat death and is, like, working on becoming immortal. They haven't necessarily gotten there yet, but they have... You have they have all these treatments and everything to set in place to extend your life. But then in this world, there's something called the Suicide Club, and it's like choosing to actively go against that and not play play God. And they're like, we will Ooh. kill ourselves at a certain point in time, and blah blah blah. So, I mean, uh, so so far I, I like it. I'm maybe like seven percent of the way through. Um, I'm listening to nice. uh, I'm reading David Tung can't have a girlfriend until he gets into an Ivy League college by Ed Lin. My mom suggested mm-hmm. it. She said it was funny. Um, text is really small, so it's going to take me a while to get through that one. And then I am reading Too Much Soul by Cindy Wilson, which is a Korean adoptee memoir. So uh, I'm also only a couple pages into that one. So, yeah. I want to point out that Gold Diggers is also, is about, it's by an Asian author, so. Oh, yeah. Um, And then... What have you read since last time? Are you still working on Anna Karenina? I finished Summerland by Michael Chabin, Atonement by Ian McEwan, mm. Anna Karenina by Woo! Leah Tolstoy, Rune and Rising by Lee Bardugo, Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. That's a reread. Uh, and Black Sun by Rebecca Rowanhorse. Um, of those, I would recommend Black Sun. Although Black Sun is the first in a series and it like... Has, it makes like no attempt to like wrap things up by the end of the book. Like it's not the whole book is a beginning, and as opposed to a beginning, middle, end. But it's a based on it's like a fantasy society based on pre-colonial Americas. So like the indigenous cultures of the Americas. Nice. Since we all met last time, I finished the Invisible Life of Addie Larue by V. E. Schwab. I would recommend that one. I listened to it. Very entertaining. Uh, I think I talked about it last time and how I was like, oh, I think the message is going to be like, life is worth living because you can make mistakes and make your mark on the world. That's pretty much, that's what it was, okay? Um, it, it does get a little raunchy and like there are some twists and turns oh. in there. But um, I also finished Atonement. Wouldn't recommend it. Fucking boring as shit. And then <laughs> I listened to... Um, and then I, these other three I listened to, um, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, oh. More Than Enough by Elaine Wilgeroth, which is kind of like a self-help motivational memoir story, and then Wishful Drinking by Carrie Fisher. Wait, I would yeah. say I would not recommend Anna Karenina, unless you have mm. a Russian history expert with you, because that is so boring. It is a thousand million pages of, like, boring, of, like... Just people's thoughts. I just don't like books where most of the narration is people sitting around thinking. Also, sometimes the dog has thoughts and you just read about the dog's <laughs> thoughts. And that's very cute. But like, why? <laughs> why are you wasting my eye space? 
<laughs> My eyeball this? power. Yeah. But I did it. I read it. I thought maybe this is my like gateway and I'm going to read like all the Russian classics after this. I don't think that's it's not I don't happening. think that's the case. I don't <laughs> that think is you're... not the case. So, that brings us to the end of the episode. Just a little housekeeping items. Uh we have an email and we have a Twitter. Um our email is readingnotreading at gmail.com, which is spelled E Nope. <laughs> 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 no, which is spelled, no, I didn't, it's AAPR month, I did nothing wrong. You know, you didn't, um, no, you're it's, stunning. It's uh, spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T, R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. And our Twitter is uh, at rednotreadpod, which is at sign uh, R-E-A-D-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. So hit us up. And then, Laura, go ahead and talk about our bookshop and our website. I was going to say, I'm like, oh, I don't get to so do What the fuck do today. I do? No, I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> bookshop. It's a website where you can order books online at subsidized prices, much like Emma Bleep. Um, <laughs> but it's better because it supports indie bookstores. And it's so convenient, and I love it. Um, but if you use our bookshop affiliate link, you can get us commissions with your purchases. Bookshop is a great resource. And you can, listen, you can support anybody. Really, we'd like you to support us. But if you support anybody, you can That's do it. That's <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Laura, where might I go if I want to listen to past episodes? Maybe the one where I talked about the the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian? Or... Oh, yeah. If you're interested, you can go to our past episodes anywhere. Our... No, not anywhere. On Spotify <laughs> and iTunes podcasts. Mm-hmm. AKA Apple's, the... Apple Podcasts. And AKA I think we're Apple on Google Podcasts. Podcasts or what, if that exists, if that's a thing, I think we're on there too. Google Play or whatever they call whatever it. Whatever the days. freak. Yeah, nobody knows. Google Plus Play. <laughs> <laughs> plus Google Plus Play or whatever. <laughs> plus Play. Google Press Play. <laughs> yeah, yep. So find us on yep. there. Um, <laughs> one day we might make an Instagram and then I guess. No, no. I'm going to shut the fuck up. Anyways, uh, so uh, with that. We bid you an excellent AAPI month. month. Yeah. And next month, we're going to read a separate piece by John Knowles with a very special guest. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Are you excited, Laura? Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Me too. All right. And with that, uh, we bid you farewell. May you have a great month. Oh! <laughs> oh! Okay. Have a good month. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Bye.